Welcome to All Bases Covered here on a Monday night. Uh, we are glad to be back. We got a jam-packed show today. We uh, we don't have any guests for today, but we will have uh, our, our uh, fellow contributors, Josh and Dane, joining us later on uh, this evening. And we got Sam here, uh, as always, the uh, the co-pilot of this shindig. How's it going today, Sam? Hey, uh, doing okay on a Monday, man. Uh, I have to give you uh, an apology. I'm a little bit mobile right now, so if you hear some background noise. Oh, no worries. No worries. And speaking of background noise, uh, here comes Josh entering the fold. There he is on cue. Can you hear me today? Yeah, we can hear you. We can hear you. All right, sweet. I'm trying to put in ear pods so you don't hear that much background noise so I can walk around. <laughs> uh, Dane should be joining us uh, shortly here. Uh, so, oh, man, we got a uh, we got a big show today, man, especially some huge news that we'll get to later on. Uh, WWE and AEW news, big news that, that was announced. So, excited to be here today. Um, we got... Uh, we had game two of the finals. The, the Warriors came back and won in blowout fashion. Uh, which I kind of expected after they dropped game one. Um, you know, I I still think Boston has a, presents a lot of matchup problems for, for Golden State, but I think Golden State just has too much firepower on their end. And we saw it a little bit on Sunday uh, where the Warriors overwhelmed Boston in the third quarter, you know, outscoring them 35-14. to 14. Uh, This game wasn't particularly close. Um, they held uh, – Tatum had a, had a pretty decent night, 28 points, uh, three assists, six rebounds on eight of 19 shooting, and six of nine from three-point range. Uh, Horford – didn't hit any, didn't shoot any three pointers. He is held to two points. So uh, Steph Curry kind of did what he did, but he didn't. You know, it, for as bad as the Warriors blew out the Celtics, Curry didn't get a lot of supporting cast help. Clay Thompson was one of eight from the three point line. He had only eleven points. Wiggins only had eleven points. Jordan Poole had seventeen. So I was a little surprised that the Warriors did what they did, considering that Curry didn't get as much help as I thought he normally would. See, that's where I think that it's, like, not sustainable. You know, I think that the Warriors blowing out quarters like that by double, almost doubling what the other team put up, I don't think that's sustainable for a series out of seven games. That's something that happened, just like off nights and other nights happen, right? This is a game of – this is going to be a series of seven, really, in my opinion. And it's but about you know, who catches the break at what point. But, but I guess – I mean, this is still the second game in a row where the Warriors have killed the Celtics in the third quarter, except this time around, they Right, so that, that, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, this, this particular matchup, you know, Boston had nothing to give in response to the, the blowout. I think the third quarter push from the Warriors team is going to become a norm. It's something that's going to be normal that you expect from that team. Um, and, and I think it's about how Boston adjusts to that. You know, they were able to adjust game one the only down 12 going into the fourth, and they made their push in the fourth, and they got it done. But they didn't ha- they didn't have any any luck, you know, when it came to something like that. Yeah, and it seemed like Jason Tatum struggled bad in the second half of this game too. Oh my god, don't get hurt. Don't get I lost my phone. He didn't. 
I don't think he, I don't think he struggled. I think they were just unable to generate any offense. Yeah. Well, let's see. Let's. I, I was trying to pull up here what the box score is for the uh, the second half, but really, I mean, I Tatum didn't get any help hardly at all. I mean, Jalen Brown had 17 points, and Derek White had 12, and those were the only other guys that were in double figures comparatively to Game One when you had Horford and Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart was one of six. Uh, you know. Horford was one of four. That was it. Um, you know, Boston didn't shoot that bad from three-point range. They shot 40% the same. They made and took the same amount of, of three-point shots as Golden State did. But the biggest difference was turnovers, where Boston had 18 turnovers, and, and free throws, which I think um, – Really, well, no, actually, free throws was a push pretty much. Uh, Golden State only made one more free throw than uh, Boston did, but uh, Golden State shot a lot better from the field than Boston did. But I don't know. I Looking at these two games, they both have kind of anomalies, right? Is is Golden – if Golden State, like you said, Sam, is going to continuing to push in, in the third quarter, I also don't think it's sustainable for Boston to keep – withstanding that giant blow in the third, third quarter and then having to exert themselves in the fourth quarter to either. Right. So they have to pick and choose like which quarters they're going to try to win. Right. Yeah. So, so far through two games, it looks like they're never going to win the third quarter, you know? Yeah. Um, and it really will depend on how much they they're down in the fourth and whether they can mount a comeback or not. But I, I, the other thing is, you know, the, you know, Marcus Smart and, and Robert Williams, um, the two guys that play like, and even Horford for that matter, yeah. when you get when you're able to generate offense out of your guys that are playing superb defense, that's when you have a recipe for good success for Boston. I think you know Marcus score, uh, Mar- Marcus Smart has to score, you know um, at least double digits. You know he's got to have like four yeah. or five assists. You know I think you know it's safe to say he'll have his two steals, one block. You know and his defensive plus minus, but he'll have to give those twelve points that Derek White is scoring, you know? Um, right. And he'll have to do that while shutting down, trying to shut down Steph or Clay or Jordan Poole, whoever he's assigned to. So let me let me ask this question. If the Warriors end up winning this series, that gives Steph Curry his fourth championship. Now, he has yet to be a finals MVP, but most think that Steph's a shoe-in to win it if the Warriors win this series, um, where does land on the all-time greatest for you guys if he wins this championship? He'll have as many he'll have as many titles. As Can we go great. by position because it's tough to to go to, to do like an all-time list. You know, it's really it's a tough call. Like I, I you give me all-time point guards, and I'll give you a number. Look, but that's how we judge everybody, right? Because it's where when we talk about Jordan and Kareem and Magic Johnson, we're not basing it off position. So does Steph Curry, does he land in the top ten of all time with another title? Yes, in my opinion, yes. Is, I think is so, just because he's probably one of the best pure shooters we've ever seen ever. I mean, I don't, I don't see many players that can just fire the ball wherever he wants to and fucking make it. So I think so, along with all the, the championships, yeah, along with the other champion, the championships that he has, he also has, you know, like record, you know, a record book. Like he has, he owns the most three pointers made in NBA history by any player. Yeah. That like that is separate from how many rings he's won, but like, I you know those kind of things will bolster his argument to to go up higher on that list. Yeah, I think yeah, he has, what, I, one MVP, right? One season, no, regular got, season MVP? He's got two MVPs. Oh, two regular season MVPs. He was back-to-back back back in 15 and 16. He pulled a Steve Nash. We pulled a Jokic and a Giannis, too. Yeah, well, I mean, do I think he's back caught back. up the... Did did you, do, let me ask, do we really think he's caught up to uh, LeBron as far as that good of a player? No. 
Uh, I think LeBron was just a freak athlete that, A, can shoot, can rebound, can assist, play. Well, I mean, he didn't, he didn't gain his shot until a lot later in his in his career, you know. He couldn't shoot for shit when he came into the league. So, let me let me ask you guys, is, is there any chance – oh, uh, Josh dropped. So, let me ask you, let me ask you, Sam, here, while, since you're the only one with, one, only one with me on right now. Is there any chance Curry can surpass LeBron, or is that shit sailed completely? I think that's gone, man. I'm sorry. LeBron, LeBron's going to take the most points ever scored, right? Yeah. When he gets that record, and, and you know, he's going to surpass a lot of people in the process, you know. He gets into the conversation of some of the best of the best to ever play. And Curry, you know, he'll have the accolades, same number of championships, maybe. You know, I think LeBron has four. He should have yep. four with this one, right? Yep. You know, yep. same number of chips, but, like, again, LeBron has so many more accolades to go with it. He does. He has more first team. Uh, he has more NBA all first teams, uh, well, a lot more by, by a, a large stretch. And he has five. Four NBA. MVPs. Well, he has four MVPs. Yeah. Four finals MVPs where Steph Curry doesn't even have a finals MVP yet. And Steph Curry's never been on an all-defensive team like right. LeBron has. So LeBron's got a lot of accolades. But here is where I break this down, and this is what I'm going to say. You can look at the guys that were on the line when you first came in the league and then the guys that are kind of – your peers, but have kind of come after your peak a little bit. So Jordan, when he came in the league, it was a bird and magic Johnson, and to an extent Isaiah Thomas. When Jordan made his ascent to the best player in the league, no one at that time or after him, except for Kobe Bryant, that was pretty well, you know, after when when Kobe started winning championships, except for those two years that, that Jordan came back to the Wizards. But no one was close to Jordan as far as championships go. He had six, Barkley, Malone, Stockton, David Robinson. David Robinson didn't win his title. So he ended up with two, but he ended up with two. He ended up with two. Shaquille O'Neal. Kobe Bryant, I don't really consider – Kobe Bryant was drafted in 1996. He won his first title in 2000 as part of uh, as far as the Lakers. Jordan came back for, like, the 2001-2002 season. So, so Kobe Bryant's ascension kind of came after Shaq left. And, and, but he was, he was already coming up, but he kind of became someone that we talked about as being one of the – Ten greatest players of all time after. But I, but I don't think he faced the same number of Hall of Famers that Jordan faced. Jordan essentially Kobe. faced Hall of Famers that preceded him, and then Hall of Famers that he played with that were like his peers. You know. Yeah. So then you got LeBron here. LeBron's got his four rings. You could say Tim Duncan and Kobe Bryant were on the tail end of their careers when when LeBron was coming up, right? But Correct. Correct. LeBron hasn't stopped anybody the way Jordan stops people from getting rings. Steph Curry is about to have the same amount of rings as as LeBron with four. Durant's got his two rings from when he came over. Fine. Then then you look around the league, but LeBron hasn't stopped guys from getting championships. Kawhi Leonard has two championships: one in Toronto, one in San Antonio. Like. You can look at all the greatest players that played from, like, 1989, like, 88 to, like, 1999. None of those guys have rings. Patrick Ewing. Right. Charles Barkley, Carl Malone, John Stockton. The list goes on. And Olajuwon got his two rings when Jordan was out. When Jordan was out. Of course. Of course. So, this, to me, if Steph Curry wins a championship here – it doesn't hurt LeBron's legacy, but also you can point to it as kind of another nail in the coffin for LeBron being the greatest. You could talk about the all-time points leader. Jordan Jordan left 
after Dad died, lost about two years there. Then he retired at 36 after Phil Jackson and Pippen were gone, lost another two years there, came back to Washington when he was like 39 years old. And adding the fact that LeBron came in the league straight out of high school, Jordan played three years of college. So you have like six, five, six seasons worth where LeBron's played more, so he's compiled more stats in an easier league, though. So, so, see, the thing is, by the fact that you're ma- making the comparison of Jordan and LeBron, that obviously means that LeBron's just higher than, than Steph Curry. Right? He does. He does, because in my opinion, I don't, know, I don't know how you but Steve Biggins uh, told me this before, and it's true. Curry would still be a great shooter if you dropped him in the 80s and 90s. He would still be a great shooter. But would he be a two-time MVP? I no way. He'd be six, two times six no. man of the year. That's what yeah. he would be. Yeah, six man of the year. I agree 100% with that argument. Yeah. That that if you dropped him in the 80s and 90s with the physicality of the league then, he there's no chance in hell that he'd be a two-time MVP. Yeah, He's not changing. I'm telling you, the moment that that guy shoots his first half-court shot, his coach is pulling him from the game. And he's not playing the next three games for doing shit like that yeah. in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Now, and, and I and also he, think a lot of that was ran through the center, too, to where you don't see a lot of that in today's game. You see the, the edge shooters in today's game where back in the 90s you didn't have that. By, by the way, I, I – In the I, 90s, you had, you had corner corner guys. They would just set up in the corner and sit, you know, yep. um, get to their spot, corner. right? Right, get the yep. other spots, and if you're, they're open, they're expected to make the shot. That's it. I think one yeah, of the biggest what, things that's that why I said it, it, I think it was the, is, those guys were never expected to orchestrate the offense the way that Steph does today, right? No, and and, and also three point shots from the from I looked at this in BasketballReference.com like nineteen I, I looked at it from when Jordan came to the league in eighty four until nineteen ninety three. Do you know how many? Three-point attempts per team. What the team? What the average per team was per game from from '84 like to '93? Six. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna six. say eight. I was gonna say eight. Eight three-pointers. <laughs> six three-pointers in that span from the time Jordan came in the league into 1983. Now, tell me what it was when Jordan, when LeBron entered the league in 2003 until 2018, what the average three-pointer attempts was per team per game. 19. 15? Exactly. 19. 19 three-pointers a game. The low was 15 as an average, and then the high in that time was 23. But the, the mean average for that time frame was 19. Now, since 2000 and, from 2019, 20, 21, and 22, guess what the average three point? 34. 32. Oh! 32. 32 three-pointers a game. So in that span, we have gone from averaging six three-pointers to, to 19, now to 32 the last four seasons or so. So I, it's crazy, but but – that's how Steph changed the game with the three-point shots, but I also think it's, it's now the the everybody thinks I'm just going to shoot threes because they're worth more than twos. And I can get down. You can make three two-point shots, and I can come down and hit two three-pointers and tie the game. So and, the, the, other, the other thing is, you know, like you get 24 seconds, right, right. to set up a play, right? Yeah. There's some strategy involved. There's some coaching involved. There's some player hustle. There's things that happen from from players like Udonis Haslam and no namers that are second, you know, second stringers, third stringers that they're doing that plays a, a really small, minute role into, you know, this is the reason why Boris Dia was was, was worth something was because Popovich knew how to use him, right? That that no longer exists because the moment that they come down. I think they're looking to score within the first six seconds out of that 24-second clock. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy, and it's, a, it's all about possessions now, right? If I come down yep. and shoot, I'm going to take eight, six to eight seconds off the shot clock, then they come down and shoot, I'm going to get the ball back, right? And I just 
a different game. I feel like the speed and, and the athleticism that came into the NFL with like the newer generation of kids and that yeah. same speed and athleticism that came into the NBA, it's correlating into two different ways. In the NFL, linebackers can now guard tight ends, wide receivers, all kinds of shit, you know? Uh, it, that wasn't the case back in the day. It hasn't correlated into the right way for the NBA, in my opinion. I also think the NBA is full suffers from it. I don't think the NBA is as good of a sport as it used to be. And that, that, this isn't to sound like the get-off-my-long guy. But, yeah, are you score more? Fine. But it's, you got you to admit, guys, it is a tougher sport to watch when people are just launching threes and going to the free, going to the free throw line. It's not as fun. You don't see guys cutting to the basket as much. You don't see guys coming up and pulling up for a corner, for a corner, you know, jump shot or from the. From you the don't elbow. see anyone working the post. You don't see any set right. plays. You don't yeah. see a lot of things. You know that was actually part of the entertainment factor of of, of the NBA in the past. You, you know, a highlight dunk, a, a, yeah. a, a fadeaway post shot. Those were highlights considered highlights in the NBA. It was, and now you just see guys launching trees with guys sticking an arm in their face. I'm like, you're not even open. Why are you taking that shot? And that's why I say, like, guys like Draymond Green, he's great. Positionless player, that's awesome. But you throw him into the 90s and the 80s, he's not getting those opportunities for those boards unless he's battling out with those big boys. And those big boys will punch just as hard as you, if not harder, you know. And it was allowed in that era. It was. Yeah, I, I mean, of, I, these kind I of players say. are useless. These utility players that are in today's game are useless in the 80s and 90s. You go back to all sports back in the 70s, 80s. Look at Pete Rose during an all-star game, trucking the catcher. That's an yeah. all-star game. Like, yeah, that's you don't see that happening today, right? You got, you got the NBA. You, people were pushing each other, hitting each other, fighting on the court, not like it is – Today, you, you barely touch the guy, and it's a foul. Football, it was smash mouth, run the ball, offense, defense, line. Now it's spread offense, let's pass the ball, and throw it up 30 times. And if anyone times. gets touched, it's a penalty, right? Sportable right. gets touched, exactly. penalty. Dude, the NFL used to put out a video called, the N- called NFL Rocks, and it was the hardest hit. NFL doesn't put out NFL Rocks anymore. No, because as soon as that CTE report came out, they stopped making those videos. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And, I, you know, I used to wonder, why did quarterbacks seemingly look so old at 34 and their careers were about done at that point, and now you guys find a 42? And it's like, oh, yeah, because they can't get hit anymore. They stand back there and just throw the ball. I think, and I, they complain, and they complain. If they get nicked or touched, you yeah. have the Bradys and the Rodgers looking for calls. Yeah, all the time. Hold on one second, guys. Is this Dane now? Dane, are you on with us finally? Yes, finally. Sorry about that. It's been a day. Uh, like no, yeah, no, I had an interview that I had to do for the con I'm doing this week. And it was with uh, Judith Hogue, and then that went for over an hour and a half, and I wasn't expecting it to go that long. But now I'm here after we had to get dinner because it was either right before this or it was going to be after this, and it been fucking 9 o'clock. So. Well, we're, we're but, finishing up our NBA yeah. talk on this, and we're going to get into the Deshaun Watson suspension Deshaun here in a minute. But, uh, in a minute, but uh, uh, okay. Uh, we were just talking about Curry and LeBron, uh, how different the game is today. Why do I I think that's Dane. Dane, you're adding an echo. Oh, am I? Hold on one second. Here, let me switch headphones. God damn you, Dane. God damn you. Where is my... Fucking guy. <laughs> All right. So, hey, uh, real quick while Dane gets his headset figured out. Um, rumors are that uh, Donovan Mitchell was not happy after Quinn Snyder decided Hold to uh, resign uh, from Utah. Um, there's reports that he might be traded. There's reports that Utah might 
trade both him and Gobert and basically blow everything up and, and try to rebuild. Um, I also think, though, that I think if the Jazz trade Gobert and then hit a slam dunk home run for a hire, they could entice Donovan to stay. But I, I don't know. He might be looking to leave Utah. Um, they're going to pull in Dwayne Wade to talk to him, you know, because he's part of ownership now, right? Yeah. They're gonna they're gonna pull all the stops to try to get Donovan Mitchell happy, and you know what? They may swing something where, hey, there's other stars that are still available on the West, right? So they could they could shoot their shot for for uh, you know uh, Damian Lillard, you know. Maybe yeah, they might. But I think get rid of Gobert, right, and and, and try to pull Lillard. To make Mitchell happy, really, because see, the Mitchell is good. his contract is is there twenty five, twenty twenty four, and then twenty twenty five is his player option for his year last year of his contract. But he's there till twenty twenty four. So if he's disgruntled, disgruntled or not, he has to play for the Jazz until they trade him or they make him happy. Well, the two rumors coaches that seem to be the up front runners for Utah are Frank Vogel and Terry Stotts. I don't know if that blows my skirt up if I'm Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Like, not he come through with some, like, uh, I don't know, we were able to poach away Nick Nurse, you know, for some reason, you know? Or Kenny Atkinson. Right, right, right. Or Kenny Atkinson, absolutely. Because like, I really like Darvin Ham, and now he's headed to the Lakers. Now, I think that's a terrible fit for him because he's got to deal with all those. He's going to have, a, he's gonna have a, a, a trash roster to work with and bad, bad future picks and – the whole nine, man. Well, also, um, you have a team that shows that they aren't going to, like, you know, let you do your job. So that could also be a little rough for him. But see, Darvin Ham being an ex-player, I think he may be a little bit better at, at managing that relationship. Right. So, and that's why I think Tyron Lue has been successful in his coaching career. He's been able to relate to the players on a personal level. That's something Steve Nash has, has been unable to do, in my opinion. Yeah, Nash, but Nash didn't I'll give you that. Darvin Ham and Ikbe, uh, the Celtics head coach, because he's a former player, but he played for the Spurs. He cut his teeth on the bench for the Spurs. And that her was a player, then he was GM. And he was also on the bench in the San Antonio for a year or two. Steve Nash was never an assistant coach. And I think to succeed as a head coach, regardless if you're a former player or not, you got to spend some time on the bench learning. Because everybody that's been successful wrote, was a – if you look now, Jason Kidd had the Mavericks in the Western Conference Finals. He had a great season coaching this year. He struggled as the Nets head coach. He struggled as the Bucks head coach. Then he went and sat on the bench as an assistant for a few seasons, got another shot as a head coach, and he did way better this time around in Dallas than he'd had in his first two stops. I, you, look I, at Monty, you look at Monty Williams. He's been a, an assistant and you know, on so many different teams over all the years, and he was a player as well. Right. But, you know, he's been able to really change that Suns franchise around. He has, he has, and and, and you know, um, that Monty Williams, uh, you know, has a good roster. They've had good player development there, but you know, it, sometimes you just gotta you gotta learn. You gotta learn to manage the egos. Learn. I, I mean, he was an assistant in Portland for five seasons before he got the job in New Orleans, and he was fired after five seasons. Then he went back to being an assistant coach in Oklahoma City and Philadelphia before coming to Phoenix. <laughs> and I think, wasn't he the head coach in New Orleans when Anthony Davis was drafted there? Right, correct. Yeah, he was. Yeah. And he just couldn't get it going there in New Orleans. I, they never really put a good. And he was there. He was there for a bit until they made that change and they got Sam Van Gundy, right? Yeah, yeah. And then he just—they never put a team around Anthony Davis, though. If you look at it, the guys they drafted, and, and as a head coach of the NBA, I don't—you don't really have a whole lot of say in in anything. I feel like, at least in the NFL, as a head coach, you're in the draft rooms. 
I don't. I feel like in the NBA, the GM puts all the players there and then just says, "Here." Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I, because if play, if coaches had their way, I think they would draft different players. Yeah, probably, probably. You're Anthony Bennett and you know your 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 bus draft bus. You know Marvin Bagley. Those guys don't get drafted if you have a head coach making decisions. Or they get drafted, but not as high. Yeah. As right, not as high as they did. Number two, get out of here. And speaking of another head coach, Mike D'Antonio is being rumored as the front runner for the Charlotte Hornets job. Before we move on to our next su- uh, subject, what do you what do you guys think of that? Is that a good fit with Lamelo Ball and Michael Jordan? No, 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 absolutely not. D'Antoni, D'Antoni's not. not a good fit anywhere. His style is so like nope. it doesn't He's done, bro. He's close to the NBA. You can't do all. You can't do all offense and no defense. Like you, like. You see what happens. We've seen what happens. We see what happens with teams of his. They look really great. Then he's the front runner for coach of the year. Then they get they have this crazy what should be seen as a, a miraculous playoff run, only to get smacked in the Western Conference Final or whatever conference final that he's in, and then it, it repeats and then they make the playoffs and then they get out earlier and earlier. Then you have disgruntled fucking superstars and then they want to get out. Then he wants a contract, and then he's a disgruntled coach. It's, just, it's the same thing, different city with him. Like, no, he shouldn't be a I coach think, anywhere. I think, he's taking no his, fucking... I think he's taking his six seconds or less offense from the Suns back in the day with Amari Stoudemire and Steve yeah. Nash, and he's built his reputation on that, and it's has... failed mm-hmm. everywhere he's gone. No, but he didn't fail in Houston. Let me, let me reiterate Yeah, I was going to say, he... Okay, fine, he didn't. He didn't. You're right. He... They were very good in Man, he I heard didn't, it didn't it didn't work in New York and it didn't work in LA. Do you know why? Because he didn't have the point guard in New York and LA to run his system. In Phoenix he had Steve Nash and in Houston he had James Harden and he had Chris Paul. His system worked because of Harden, his system worked because of Steve Nash. In New York, he he didn't have the roster and he didn't have the point guard and in LA he was dealt an aging roster uh, of Kobe Bryant. He got 75-year-old Steve Nash, he had Dwight Howard. They had that old, old team, and it didn't work. But at least here's my Charlotte. Here's my pushback got... to that. Okay. Here's my pushback to that. He never got a ring with that system. You can't call that a success. He was good, but good ain't good enough at that level. You need defense. If they would have played just an iota more defense against the Golden State Warriors, even without Chris Paul, they are in the finals. Like it, it didn't. Right. It wasn't a success. It was. It had its successes, but to sit here and say that it's a success and you don't have a ring to show for it, I don't give a damn what team you have. You don't have a ring to show for that. And like at that point, we all know that that's what those teams are buying for is a ring. So we can't honestly sit here and call that system a success when the one thing that it's not predicated on, which is some form of defense, it bit them in the ass in a game seven against the Golden State Warriors team that was shooting out of their minds, even hobbled in in Houston. Like, you can't so, say it's me, success let me at all. Oh, 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 one sec, one sec, one sec, before we get out of, out of form real quick. Mike, let me ask you this. What would you consider – uh, Antoni a system coach, he doesn't change with he's his team. He tries to run the same thing, pretty much that's given him some some level of success, right? Mike, would you say that? Mike D'Antoni is a Mike D'Antoni is a one trick pony who has gotten lucky. Right, so, so I'm just gonna so say, this. Mike, would you say how, he's a, how, would you Mike would you say he's a system coach? Yeah, he's a system coach. I would okay. Say. Unless he gets the exact pieces that he needs, he'll never be successful. But that's that's true of a lot of people, though. But I can't sit here and say that he's not a successful coach because he hasn't won a ring. George Carl is a great coach who's never won a ring, but he's won. I'm not talking about the Rick Carlisle is a great coach that's won only one ring, and his what? system is the same. Rick Carlisle's system plays the same. Team yeah. basketball, team basketball. He's got one ring out of it. That goes to show me that that. Sh- that one ring is success. Right? That means his system works. Right. He has something to level. show for it. Like, I'm just going to say this. Not, real quick, How many, let me, let me real, uh, real quick, let me also say, ahead. Mike, I'm not saying go that ahead. he doesn't know what he's doing. I'm, okay. 
I'm not saying that he doesn't know what he's doing, but that system is not successful. He has nothing to show for it, even with the pieces that he would need to make it successful. Realistically, how many uh, NBA teams go for a title? Realistically. All of them. How many many NBA teams actually vie for a title? Or are they happy just to get to the playoffs? Probably six, I would say. My opinion. Exactly. So if if San Antonio can get in the top six, that's a success in his eyes in my opinion. Hey, you know what? I need to be in the top six. That's my legit shot to win a championship. Or I can just coast the team to the playoffs like other coaches have done. All right. Let's, uh, I don't know. Uh, let's, that uh, put... Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of time. We got 25 minutes left or so. Uh, let's go to segment two. So the Browns are right now in a position where it seems like that no suspension's been handed down, but it, it's oh, it's coming, bro! It's definitely coming. The same way Deshaun Watson's coming all over his masseuse. The Browns are preparing for Watson to be suspended for a whole year now. With that that he sat out all of last year, if he suspended all of this year, that would basically equal the time that. Trevor Bauer is being suspended for as Bauer was handed down a 320 game suspension for two seasons. So, well, should is the Bauer Watson... is is the Bauer 320 days from the time he got suspended, or are they adding, hey, we put you on leave for last year? Does that count, or does that not count? No, that doesn't count. So it's actually three, basically so, three years. So Bauer. three seasons. And that's, yeah. that's exactly what could be happened to Deshaun. Well, they're saying, yep. they're saying that, that, that Bauer's uh, punishment could serve as a model for Deshaun Watson. And if you look at it, a 24th woman has come out and filed suit against Deshaun Watson. Bauer had, what, two, two, fem- uh, two females that accused him of things? Watson's got 24 over here. Well, I, th- I think the big <laughs> thing with Bauer is the text messages. Oh, yeah. With okay, Bauer, yeah. I think what saved what Bauer, Bauer is the text messages where the woman said, I want you to choke me. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. Okay. And then they try to come back on him. I don't think his punishment was fair. I don't think it fit the crime, especially when the court didn't go with charges against him. I think his time served from last year was enough. That's two females. Now we're talking to Sean Watson, 24 different females. You had his lawyer come back and say, it's not illegal to get a happy, happy ending. <laughs> what, what kind of lawyer is going to say that? Like, are you that fucking stupid? Also, who here remembers when, when, when Ben Roethlisberger raped that chick, you know, like the, the first yeah. year he was and, and, oh, and yeah. he didn't yeah, yeah and he got like and a four game suspension because of that yeah yeah and the full report came out and when I read it I was like holy shit this guy's a, a, a fucking he's a shit bag he's a jackass yep you know for sure yeah so but here's what's going to come down to for both of them optics yeah both both of those leagues are like y'all even if there's no even if there's no charges. This you're making us look bad. They're not they're not playing judge and jury based on if he's innocent or guilty. They're playing it on look, motherfucker. You're fucking the bag up. So sit down. But listen, he's they're, they're two hundred thirty million dollars in to this guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah but if you read that they're contract, his first year, listen, he something. has enough money to pay off the settlement for all his accusers. Let's put it to you that way. I'll put it that way. He can pay off mm-hmm. all of his accusers, but that's about it. No, there's no repairing of his image. Let, let me ask you guys this. Nope. Baker Mayfield screwed over by the Browns, pretty much. But they're not trading him because oh, yeah. they're like, well, we trade Baker. We don't have a fucking quarterback. We got Jacoby Brissett for two seasons if, if Watson's suspended for however long. So, like, what do you do with Baker? Because if the Browns trade him, they they are like – they're. And, and and Watson faces a lengthy suspension. They're they're basically conceding this season because we all know Jacoby Brissett in that division with Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow and the Steelers. Jacoby Brissett's not winning. Jacoby Brissett struggled to win seven games in the AFC South with the Colts going up against the Texans and Jaguars and Titans. 
There's no fucking way he's winning more than four games. But the here's best. the deal. Here's the, what I would do if I were the Browns, I would trade Mayfield to the Seahawks, and I would somehow manage to get Drew Locke in the picture back. That gives you, you know what? That gives you a, a pigeonhole to say that he sucks. Everyone knows he sucks. That's why we suck, right? Until Dijon Watson comes around. But here's the problem. They yeah. need to do that before the draft because now you, this whole thing is played out, and and like he's not. I won't say damaged good, but I mean there's so many there's so many levels to this. One, that team set him up for failure. All right, like, even as a Bengals fan, I like Baker Mayfield as a player. He is the type of player that you want on your team who is willing to run through a brick wall for your team no matter what the cost is physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever. It was the Browns organization's job to stop him from being his own worst enemy. But they left him out there with half a working fucking torso oh, and, and then had the audacity to try and put their failures on him. So that's the first part of it. Second – like, the way they even handled this was just fucking shitty. But third, now we're sitting here about close to close to training camp. OTAs has started. They need to just – they need to cut their loss. They need to cut their losses and just – and because what they're waiting on is for somebody to take on some of that, that value of his. And it's like, no, they're not going to do it. They know that you guys have gotten – they've gotten themselves into this fucked up situation. They need to just release him like he wants. Let him – explored his free agency, he can land somewhere. Like you said, Seattle's probably the place that makes the most sense. But as far as getting a trade where they're actually going to get anything, even if it is a, a later round pick, like people are, these teams aren't going to be coming to the table to play any type of ball, friendly it, or not, is, with the, the Browns, because thing, they fucked the this is, up it's not, hard. It's not the pick. It's not the pick. It's the $18.7 million that it's the other team is on the hook yeah. yeah. No one wants to pay that. Right, and that's no one wants to pay that. They want the Browns to take the brunt of it, and the Browns don't want to do that either. They're, they're saying, if right. we're going to take the hit, we're going to keep them on our team. Yeah. Right. I mean, the, but the at that point, is, yeah. The Browns have $360 million in guarantees wrapped up in six players. Baker Mayfield, Deshaun Watson, David Njoku, Nick Chubb, and Amari Cooper. This is the most – the Browns have out-browned themselves because they gave David Njoku, who averages 35 catches a season, $65 million. On the premise that Deshaun Watson will play. What's that? Exactly. On the premise that Deshaun Watson will play. Because, because Njoku did shit with Mayfield. They know what the responses are when it comes to that. On the, they gave him that contract oh, on the really premise that Watson would play. But it was a stupid contract really to give someone. I agree. Though. I agree. So, so here's no, my all thing. of those contracts it, are ridiculous. But the two hundred thirty million dollars should have never happened. A. Yeah. You have you have no idea how long he's be going to be suspended. Well, at least for. the contract like say, situations just, around it, right? Right. Yeah. Let's just say it's two years. That means Deshaun Watson has not thrown a football in three years. He'll be going on year number four finally being able to throw a football to somebody. Is he going to be even half as good as he was when he was in tech, with Texas? No one really knows. You could say all the, the whole thing about less tread on the tires and everything, but quarterback is a position that if you step away too long, you're super rusty. Look, and, you know, Mike Vick exactly. looked like the same player when he came back. Michael Vick, when he came back to Philly, was still a, a pretty good player, but he wasn't Michael Vick in Atlanta anymore. That's for sure. I just – Well, I mean, I probably for the best, thinking that, that Michael Vick in Atlanta landed him in prison. But, well, <laughs> so it's probably good that he wasn't a Hey, fuck you. That was funny. No, but <laughs> – But what I – That's because you're over there dogfighting, game. Yeah, let me tell you, with my two cats. Yeah. All right. Anyway, the joke I, I was going to say is, is that it's really fucking crazy that the Cleveland Browns have literally the net worth of Cle- the city of Cleveland wrapped up in six players that blatantly shouldn't have gotten that money. Like, I don't know. Yeah. You always ask, how can Cleveland, the Cleveland Browns out Cleveland Brown themselves? And the second that it looks like they're turning the corner, they have a season where they go to the playoffs, they, they they were right there knocking on the door, winning against a Kansas City Chiefs team. But, like, yeah. then they just 
revert back to this fuck shit. And it's so hard to root for them, even with them being an Ohio team, because it's like, you can't be this fucking stupid. But every time, every time they prove to us that they are. And it's a shame. And that's the so, difference between let's just say the the, the Ravens and the Steelers. You you mm-hmm. they are consistently good year after year after year. Why? Because mm-hmm. the front office is smart. They know what they're doing. And then you got the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Cincinnati Bengals mm-hmm. to a point. Our ownership we all know it's fucking cheap, and he yeah, doesn't. But they've pay gotten people. way better. They've gotten way better. Let's let's find out run. in two years with Joe okay. Burrow. I don't see them okay. paying five hundred million dollars for that quarterback. They will. No, but here, he gets them. Here's the thing. <laughs> let, let me let me say this. And Sam and I talked about this. If Burrow's intent is to win, then go the fucking Tom Brady route. Don't say I want forty. Absolutely correct. Don't, and don't get a small market team. A guy with personality like Burroughs, he'll be like, listen, give me a little less money, but give me more juice on my offense. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you're mm-hmm. paying me $45 million a season, give me $32 million a season. Think about the players you could re-sign and get in free agency with an extra $13 million a season. That's why Tom Brady has been to nine fucking Super Bowls or ten Super Bowls, however many it is, because in New England, he constantly took less money. To, to, to make sure he had... And he took less money to get better on the other side of the football, on the defensive exactly. side. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. It's no surprise that Russell Wilson and other quarterbacks, once they signed their giant deal, never got back to another fucking Super Bowl. And we'll see about Patrick Mahomes now. We're going to see about Mahomes, because they couldn't afford to keep Tyree Hill, because they paid Mahomes an ungodly amount of money. We're going to see what happens. And Kelsey's coming up, too. Kelsey's coming up for his, his renewal as well. Yeah, Kelsey's coming yeah, up. They Kelsey's still like haven't 30 years old. develop a running back since Jamal Charles left. So I, I want to see. Because if Burrow says, I want the money, fine, pay the man. But if his, if his main thing is winning, then getting that giant $45 million contract isn't going to win. They're not winning with that. That's nope. a fact. Not at all. And out of all the young guys that are out here, I think Joe could be the one that that sees that and plays ball in that way. And that's really yeah. going to be a testament to the greatness if, that if the we NFL have. Had no cap, if the NFL had no cap and no luxury tax like to like the nth degree, you know, I think there would be teams in larger markets saying, screw it. You know, as long as you're, uh, you know, two shades below Patrick Mahomes, I'll go ahead and give you the same contract. It right. doesn't matter to me. Right. So what I, what I think they should do is the, the way quarterbacks' salaries are going up and up and up, you have to mm-hmm. have a separate salary for them and then the rest of the team. Like, hey, this is what your team, you can spend on your team, this is what you can spend on your quarterback. I agree with that so hard. Because I think that's awesome. I mean, kind of the same way, like with the team and the coach. Like the coach doesn't go against your salary cap. That's how they could pay John Gruden a fucking hundred million dollars over ten years. Like right. that's right. I agree with that completely. It's just getting into that zone of astronomical money where they're they're going to have to make a change. That's actually a really good idea. Yeah, yeah. So you have your quarterback and you have the rest of your roster cap. But if they don't do it, if they don't do that way, and you see these teams paying their quarterbacks then you see that they don't have a lot of – since – I, I want to say since about 2004 or 2005, there's only been – I have to see what the stat was, but it, it, it was basically like showing there's only been like three quarterbacks to, to, to win the Super Bowl that weren't still on their rookie contracts. I think since, like, 2011 or so. Like, Brady and Peyton Manning were, like, the only ones along with somebody else. But it was mostly, like, guys going and getting to the Super Bowl and winning a Super Bowl, and they were still on their rookie contract. Guys, you know, because once you have to pay them, once the Ravens paid Joe Flacco, you saw what happened to him, And you saw what happened to the Ravens. Like, it's just – it's not rocket science. When you tie – had, had the Giants paid Eli Manning – 
what he was due after winning his first Super Bowl on his rookie scale contract, yeah. they wouldn't be able to afford that defense for another run or that exactly. run game nope. or all the, the all the other skilled players that they that they were able to pull. Yeah, Bring but I, I think Man, the Mannings. I think you've got to put yeah. the Mannings in with a Tom Brady. I think they seen the bigger picture, and they took less yeah. money a lot of the times too. Archie pulled they them did. all the time and said, "You see what Cooper's doing." Fucking take a break. If you if, if you give Kyle Murray what he wants now, that Cardinals team is shot for the next five years. And they're fucked because Kyle exactly. Murray's not even that good. I'm sorry. I'm going to be the guy that says Kyler Murray. Can't Kyler stay he, he's he's a he first half health quarterback. Lamar Jackson over Kyler any day of the week. I uh, Kyler and Murray. Even then, the the Ravens are about to be in the same position. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's it's going to be crazy. But see, the Ravens, the Ravens at least have a good organization, you know, right. to 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 do to make it work. Right? They'll, they'll find a way to make it work. I mean, they're they're going going to All right, real quick, guys. Uh, we got about ten minutes left on the show, so I want to get to some things. Okay. Last thing, football that I want to get to is Frank Gore finally retired. Uh, Frank Gore, I think, is like fourth all time in rushing and total rushing yards. He's uh, he's had one All Pro team. He went to five Pro Bowls, and he was part of the NFL 2010s All Decade team. Is Frank Gore first ballot Hall of Famer? I'm not saying he's not a Hall of Famer. We all know he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. But should Frank Gore get in on the first try? Yes. No. Yeah. No. 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 I, I don't say. like it. I don't like it. But I think no. he does. No, are you saying that should? Are you saying that he will, or are you saying he should? Because no, I'm saying he will. I, I don't think he should. Okay. Okay, but I think he will. That was, I agree with that. He so probably Sam, will. But yeah. kind of the same way with uh, Philip Rivers. Like they're gonna somehow at some point longevity became one of the things where they're just like, oh, he was an, he was just an Iron Man that just never stopped. And I'm just like, yeah, but there are people who were. I mean. I'm pretty sure Charlie Whitehurst never missed a fucking game. Like, what, we're throwing him in, too? But, I mean, honestly, if he had all of that in just one ring to show for it, then first ballot. But I can't put him in first ballot just on all of those things, plus hanging his hat on his longevity. Like, I just can't. That's just me. So saying second, the lone second ballot, maybe. The first ballot, can you explain your reasoning a little bit? So he he's what uh, uh, on the list of, of rushing yards uh, all time. Fourth. He's fifth. Third or fourth. He's third or fourth. Okay. All right. So third or fourth on the all time rushing list. All right. He had two ACL surgeries. Right. Uh, let's forget the five Pro Bowls and all the other things. Yes, longevity in his position. Where running back's lifespan is so short, okay. where you're looking at five to six years of prime time usage, you're looking at longevity for him. Whereas as late as the year that he played with the Colts, he he damn near hit a thousand yards. Okay, at like age like 36 or some shit like that. Okay, so there's okay with the change of the guard of how the NFL has changed, he stayed that old school player that he was when he was drafted, and he played that role throughout. So here's one thing, and here's why I'm going to say what I'm going to say. Frank Gore, if you look at the list here of all-time leading rushers, and you look at yards, 16,000, and he had 81 touchdowns, okay? Ask me how many games – ask me how many games Jim Brown played to get to 12,312 yards and 106 touchdowns. A lot less. A lot less. 118 games compared to 241 for Frank Gore. Now, let's go Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders had 15,269 yards rushing, and he had 99 touchdowns. How many games do you think Barry Sanders played? Also, a lot less. 150. Less than 100. All right, last one, last one, Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson has 14,918 yards. He has 120 touchdowns, which is good for fourth all time. How many games has Adrian Peterson played? 
184. Frank Gore of this list of all-time rushers is number one, 241. Evan Smith played 226 games, and he got 18,355 yards and 164 touchdowns. Frank Gore still has more games than Emmett Smith played. 241, and he has 16,000 yards, fine. But a lot of these guys, Barry Sanders, 15,000 yards, Adrian Pitt, Walter Payton, 109, a lot of these guys that put up these stats were doing it in far less games. Adrian, LaDainian Tomlinson played 170 games, and he managed 145 touchdowns, which is second all-time in NFL history. And well, Mike, you, yeah. you, you also got to go back. You got Frank Gore, 81, 81 touchdowns at 241 games. I don't even know what that average is. If you take 81 and, and you know, divide it by 241, you know, that's the, what I, I, I don't even know how many seasons, like, what that equals out to. But I just think Frank Gore is a compiler, and he'll go in the Hall of Fame. But to me, he's like a third or fourth ballot guy. Well, Mike, you also got to remember, you're also talking about 70s, 80s, 90s. What was the NFL doing? It was smash-mouth football. Frank Gore was in the 2000s to where the game has changed to where it was more passing. So, yeah, yes, he might have had to your point, To your point, Josh, LaDainian Thompson came in the league in 2001. Frank Gore came in 2005. LaDainian Thompson played in 170 games. Adrian Peterson came in in 2007 and played in 184 games and has more has higher stats than Frank Gore. Also, another person that came in that's played far less games and has more rushing touchdowns, not as many yards, but more rushing touchdowns, Marshawn Lynch. And then you look at uh, Marshall Falk and Sean Alexander. Mm. A lot you know, these guys all have more rushing touchdowns than Frank Gore. Now, he has 16,000 yards, fine. But his average, look at his average yards per 4.3, which is in line with Damian Tomlinson and Walter Payton and some Alexander and Marshall Falk. But he took 200 games to get to where he was going compared to – he almost has – over some of these guys, three, four, five full seasons over them. Let's look at the amount of games he's played over them. Oh, are you going to hate on a guy I, for I being healthy? Was he healthy, that, though, or did he just, like, come on, like these last couple well, of years? That doesn't count the Jets years and the, the last couple of years that he played. You don't want to – you don't count those years. He didn't he start those games. He didn't have – no, uh, you can't because he didn't have a prominent role in the offense. He probably yeah, he did. Like, he was a, like five he was times a, stop a game, gap, man. Well, that's a game. But, but yeah, he still at, played in 15 games with the Jets in 2020. Yeah, how many carries did he have? How many rushes did he have total? How many? 187. Well, Jets don't count. They suck. What the heck? <laughs> no, see, you can't sit here. Jets don't count. They suck, man. <laughs> no, dude. All right, ask me how many thousand-yard seasons he has. Probably three, four. I'm, I'm not going to ask you shit. I'm kidding. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Hey, I didn't realize right, now, that we were now already the wrestling. down to our final 90 minutes. So I want to do this real quick before we go. And if we go a little long, it's fine if we go long. But I want to I want to bring this up. I'm not. I'm going to skip the right. LNSL, uh recap because that was it wasn't memorable. It was a shitty pay-per-view. I, I some good matches, whatever. It's fine. The big news, though, out of Hell in a Cell, Cody Rhodes now expected to be out for up to five months. CM Punk won the title at double or nothing, celebrated Wednesday, but then found out on Thursday that he had to have surgery, announced it on Friday. They are now going to have an interim champion while CM Punk is out. So you have both promotions losing two huge stars, although it hurts AEW a little more because they lose their world champion. Well, what do you guys think about that? Cody Rhodes being out uh, with WWE already struggling and now CM Punk also being out. Now, my question is, I think it's going to hurt WWE more than it's going to, it's going to hurt WWE more than it's going to hurt AEW. 
AEW, you got okay. a couple of guys you can put the strap on. You got a John Moxley. You got a Daniel Bryan. You can run the promotion with that. Monday Night Raw, his struggle. The injury is almost like a blessing in disguise, I would say, for AEW. Correct. Yeah. Uh, for for Raw, you don't have a good baby face. You're struggling. Roman Reigns is now a part-time wrestler. Randy Orton's on the shelf. So yeah. who do you got really to step up? You got Seth Rollins, who just took a loss against somebody that tore his peck off. Probably not the yeah. smartest decision to have Cody Rhodes go over in that match, but it is what it is. Um, I mean, you got AJ Styles losing to Judgment Day, and it looked like he got injured. They need to put the, the strap match. back on AJ Styles. I'm sorry, but they need to put the strap back on AJ Styles. He's too good to not be in a championship race. I'm with you. I mean, they keep burying their good talent. AJ Styles, you keep letting them lose. Finn Balor, you keep letting them lose. You're not building yeah. that person up, that baby face up. You got. And why is that's the thing that? Good. Like, why is Austin Theory running with the United States title, and why why wasn't other young stars pushed like Theory has? Like Riddle wasn't pushed. Riddle had a lot of popularity. There's been other guys, too. Kevin Owens, who's extremely over, and, and they pushed the wrong guys. And then, you know, they all say, well, the Intercontinental title is not important. Well, of course it's not important when you're putting it on Shinsuke Nakamura, who no knock on him. He's he's a great wrestler, but he doesn't fucking speak English. He can't cut promos. It's the same problem with Asuka in the women's division. She's a great performer, great wrestler, but when they can't speak English very well and they can't cut promos, they're not a marketable star. They're not stars Real. that get over with fans. I mean, Santino can't speak English, English put very well either. He's cut great promos. I thought Oscar. that's part of her stick. Somebody met her in NYC as a buddy of mine, and they said that she could speak English. Apparently, that's her stick. So, okay. Just, just right. wanted to throw well, that out there. Your point is valid. I, I stand correct you, that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think the uh, WWE think... has a problem with that. I mean, whether they want to say they're racist or not, they are they are a pretty racist organization. Bro, Kofi uh, Kingston did an interview with him, and he was talking about how he had to do that that shitty Jamaican. Ass, uh, Jamaican accent, and he was talking about how yeah. he was just like and that rule where whenever they got interviewed for the magazine, they had they had to be in character, and um, yeah, he just did this shitty thing, and then. They he was finally allowed to drop it, and they kind of just glossed over it. And then they had him do some show in Jamaica, but they were cool with like, ah, you know, like you, we know it's part of the show. But yeah, the WWE is definitely good for some fuck shit like that. That is, yeah, hundred percent. They are. But uh, all right, guys, that's all the time we have. Uh, before you guys go, I want to I want to shout out everybody that contributes to the show and, and Sam here, who's been my co-pilot for a long time. I want to put this out there that our show that we did on Friday uh, has generated so far seventy five hundred downloads. Nice. Hey. Uh, hey. <laughs> Hey. We, uh, um, we had 35 live listeners on Friday, and we had said the show's been downloaded so far 7,500 times. So thanks to everybody that contributes to the show. Thanks for uh, helping it grow. Uh, the hope is is if we keep growing and money starts coming in, I can actually get a fucking studio, and we and, and Dane and Josh that you live here, uh, you know, you can come to the studio. Sam will have hide much better equipment to patch you in and it'll sound better. Um, so uh, we will see how things go. Maybe we can afford a fucking producer at this time. Uh, hey. too. <laughs> Keep going. Oh, yeah. you, better set a, oh. you better set a gadget budget if I'm coming to your studio because this shit's wild, son. Like, I need, I need some <laughs> No, I'm just... <laughs> hey, I, all I'm saying is I did bet for it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, all right, guys, but that's all the time we've got. Uh, we will try to be back on – we should be back on Friday to see what our baseball schedule is. Uh, his playoffs are starting soon. We doing a Chronic Corner this, this Friday? I think so. I think yeah. we'll prepare one for uh, – prepare Chronic Corner for this Friday. I think 
we're going to debut a new segment too on Friday called the uh, um, as much like the Breakfast Club has their donkey of the week. I think we're going to go with the uh, stupid twat of the week. So uh, it's still being worked oh, out. So. That's, that's, I mean, Amber Heard's going to win that like, every week, like week after week after week. Maybe we should call it the Amber Heard Award. So I think we should. Yeah, we'll call it the Amber Heard. Um, but all right, thanks guys, and we'll be, we'll be back on Friday. Go ahead, Dan. I'm sorry. What were you gonna say? Are we gonna call them the Shitties for short. The what is it? The Shitties? Yeah, that what that's what we're gonna call the award. The okay. Shitties. Yeah, we call it like the Dumbies, but uh, but dumber. So all right, yeah. guys. Uh, thank you, listeners. We'll be back on Friday with an all new show, uh, and uh, our theme song's been taken out. Thanks, everybody. All right.